Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Next Level Christianity series, which walks through the book of Philippians, seeing how God wants us to grow to the next level. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Philippians in chapter number one tonight, and we are... uh... In our series, Next Level Christianity, studying out the book of Philippians, and of course, we've already uh, been in a couple of messages, but before we get into it this this evening, I just want to ask you if if you've ever had a time in your life when there's somebody around you that you didn't want to claim as part of your family. Now, we've all probably been there, haven't we? Uh, you know, is that time when your sister or your brother just kind of followed you around the mall saying random things? Uh, or the time when your son or your daughter, uh, maybe they were, I don't know, like two years old and you were going through the grocery store and they were just in that cart screaming their head off and you could not get them to stop. Uh, you just kind of want to push the cart down the way and be like, whose crazy child is this? You know, and that happened to me plenty of times. But um, <clears throat> Maybe you were the one, I know there was a time my dad and I were walking, I've told the story many times, but my dad and I were walking through um, uh, Tacoma Mall. I was 14 years old and maybe, maybe 15, and I was walking with my dad. We were there doing some back-to-school shopping, uh, which, of course, every teenager loves. And as we were walking through the mall, uh, my dad was on the outside, I was on the inside. We were coming up on a group of teenage girls all right there. And I was 14, and as we were walking, uh, my dad pushed me into the middle of this group of teenage girls, and I was terrified. And then he goes, he's single! And he just kept walking, you know, and I was like, ma! You know, I don't know that man. Uh, Man, we've all been there. Uh, My sisters, they used to always, uh, of course, I did it to them too, but they would always walk around a store and they would just be loud. Um, I know it's hard to believe people in our family being loud. Uh, but I remember Dina specifically, she's the sister that's eight years older than me. Uh, Dina's sense of humor, she's, she's just crazy. And she would walk through the store and our whole family would be walking and Dina would slowly lag behind us. And as she would lag behind, she'd be about maybe 15 or 20 feet and then She'd grab something off the shelf, and she'd just be like, Dad, 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 can I get this? And she'd just start doing crazy things like that to the point where all of our family would just hurry, get out of here, get, go, you know, go away. Now, we've, we've all had times when we have the phrase, man, they're not with me. <laughs> they're not with me. As we come to Philippians chapter 1 and verses 27 through 30, tonight I want to ask you if there's ever a time in your life when the Lord would look down and because of the way you're living, because of the way your heart is, if there's ever a time when God's going, yeah, they belong to me, but today they're not with me, not acting right, not, not living right. They're not loving me from the heart. They're not fu- fulfilling the motives that I've given them. Because the truth is that every single one of us, we are supposed to, the way we live, identifies who we belong to. The way we live our life, how we go about, how we execute being a mom or a dad or a businessman or how we execute being a, uh, a retiree, how we, how we live our life, it identifies who we belong to. 
And this is a challenge that Paul gave to the church at Philippi. Of course, going through this series, we've been in this study understanding Paul was writing to these early believers, trying to help them know that God always has growth for you. Man, you're never going to reach the pinnacle of Christianity. You're never going to be at the, at the top of your game, so to speak. There's next level Christianity for every one of us. The first week, that's what we saw Paul saying in the first few verses as he wrote to them, saying, I would, I want you to abound more and more in his love and in the knowledge and understanding of his love, how to execute his love so that you can know things that are of real value in life. And then last week, we understood yeah, by looking at Paul's writing, that next level Christianity, it sees positive in the midst of negative, right? There Paul was sitting in a jail cell in the Mamertine prison there in Rome, and, and he's writing back to this church, and he doesn't write back, oh, poor me, I've had a really rough few years, and I've been shipwrecked, and I've been abandoned, and I, I've been betrayed, and I've been lied about. He doesn't write that. He writes back, and he says, hey, listen, God is using this. God is using this for the furtherance of his gospel. God is using this to bring him glory. God is using this to expand my reach and the reach of others and the reach of God through us. Really, Paul was seeing the sun in the midst of a storm. He was, he was seeing that, that growth after a fire while the fire was even coming through. He was seeing positive in the midst of negative. Well, tonight as we come to our passage, we're going to see that as he writes about next level Christianity. Tonight we're gonna to come to Philippians chapter one, verses 27 through 30, and we're gonna discover a few thoughts tonight about identifying with Christ, letting the life we live identify him. Philippians chapter one and verse 27, notice if you will, the word of God, it says this, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. Notice verse 27 again. Paul writes this, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. We're going to dive into that phrase tonight as he uses that to springboard into a few other thoughts and we're going to be helped with this tonight. So let's pray and let's ask the Lord to work in our lives. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you take just a minute and if you would, just uh, ask the Lord to speak into you tonight. Give God permission to speak to your heart. And then would you make a decision that if God spoke to you, if he speaks to you, that you'll respond to him tonight. Dear Lord, we come before you and we thank you for the word of God again. And Lord, I know we've prayed already, but we just want to ask your blessing right now upon your word. I pray, God, that as we come to the, the message tonight, that you would use your word and that you would challenge us. And Lord, as we go through it, that you would work in our lives to help us be more like you in a greater way. 
love you. We thank you for your love. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we look at verse number 27 tonight, this phrase, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. I really want to look into this because Paul is going to really use this thought that he gets across uh, for the rest of of this chapter. And of course, there weren't chapter divisions, but for the rest of this thought. When Paul says, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, we need to remember what he's been writing about. Paul's been writing about your life and going through challenges and seeing that positive in the midst of the negative. (coughs) Excuse me. And he's been writing and saying, some people are going to be uh, in bonds like he is and suffering, but others are going to be free like those at Philippi. And uh, then he comes to verse 27 to say only, regardless of what state you're in, regardless of if you're in bonds and you're suffering or if you're free or if you're in between, whatever's taking place, let your conversation. Now, the word conversation in this verse, it, it doesn't mean you're speaking. It means your manner of life. So he says, I want the way I'm, I'm writing to you to say, regardless of what state you're in, let your life be something that is becoming of the gospel. The phrase becoming of the gospel, maybe we might use the word worthy of the gospel. So he says, I'm encouraging you that regardless of what's taking place in your life, live your life in such a way that it is worthy of the gospel. Well, what's he saying? He's simply saying this, every situation, every trial, every circumstance that you and I go through, our outward actions are going to show what's taking place on the inside. And if we've really been, been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and been changed by the effective power of, the, of God working in our life, then that is going to show up, it's going to show up in our life. Jesus said it this way, he said that there's going to be fruit or characteristics that identify that you are a child of God. And so what is Paul writing? Paul is simply writing and saying, hey, you need to let your life, let your life be a reflection of Jesus. Let your life identify you as a Christian. But he doesn't just stop there. He gives a few ways for it to happen. There's three specific ways, I believe, that Paul writes that you and I can, uh, um, if I can phrase it this way, we could work on these things and it will help us have those uh, actions that flow from a right motive, motivated heart that's in love with the Lord that would be identified with Christ. Notice the first one Paul writes is you can do this by standing fast with one spirit. You can identify with Christ. You can reflect him if you'll stand fast with one spirit. Notice what he says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or be absent, I hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit. Stand fast in one spirit. The phrase stand fast, it means to stand firm. It means to have a solid foundation. We've learned about that on Sunday mornings, building our life upon the word of God and having security and stability. And then this morning we learned about real joy and real peace. But he says it means, uh, this stand fast means to stand firm, to plant your feet. And then he says in one spirit. That one spirit means to, to be unified. So what is Paul saying? He's telling these believers at Philippi to stand firm and be unified. Because when you're standing firm and being unified, it reflects Jesus. I want to take for just a moment and consider why why would Paul be encouraging them to stand fast and unified? I, 
I want us to go back to Acts, and you can just listen or look on the screen and read. Let's read the account of what took place the last time Paul was in Philippi. Acts 16, verse 22 through 24, it says this. And the multitude, they rose up together against them, against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in stocks." We know the story. We've kind of talked about it a little bit each week that when Paul was in Philippi, him and Silas, they were arrested for simply preaching Jesus. And they, if you'll remember, they cast the demon out of that, uh, the teenage girl and the, those that were making money off of the, her being demon-possessed. They ca- cried out, hey, this is, uh, this is against God. This, and they begin to cry out against Paul and Silas. And so Paul and Silas are thrown in prison because of it. So when they were there the first time in Philippi, they faced great persecution. You know what I think? I think as Paul was writing back, he would probably be thinking, you know what? They're still under persecution. Things haven't changed for the believers in Philippi because Paul and Silas left. As a matter of fact, we can go and uh, history would show, of course, that persecution against Christians was really just beginning in Acts chapter 16. History shows us that Nero would come out strong against Christians and all of the things that would take place. And so as Paul and Silas faced this great persecution, we can know that uh, Paul safely assumes that persecution is still going on. And so he writes back, hey, listen, you can stand firm and you can be unified even in the midst of trials. Even in the midst of trials, you can stand firm and you can be unified. You think about this, when you and I... When we go through a a challenging time in life, one of the things that the devil tests us with the most is our faithfulness. Because when that heartache comes, all those questions come up within us, don't they? It's just like David in the book of Psalms and all the times he said, God, where where have you gone? And we too, at times when... Things are challenging for us when we're maybe in a situation that we didn't see coming. We ask the question, does God really love me? We ask the question, does God really care? We consider the thought, does God really know what's going on? Maybe, maybe God has left me. Maybe this situation has taken God by surprise. And while we, may, while we may know the answer that no, he hasn't, The questions are there because of the challenges that we're facing. I'm sure Paul uh, maybe had this on his mind as he writes back to them saying, hey, listen, even in trials, you can stand firm and be unified. You can stand firm in one spirit. Why? Because that's going to help you be a reflection of Christ. Having a heart that is unified with the Lord and and a heart that's unified with other believers around us, man, it, it provides strength and it provides stability. And uh, as Paul writes, really, it's just a great way to reflect Christ is by standing firm and standing united. I remember, we, I think I gave the, the verse last week or maybe the week before, but the selfless prayer of Jesus Christ when he prayed, God, please let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Now, what was he doing? He's being unified. He's saying, God, I, I, humanly speaking, I don't want to go through what I'm, what I'm about to face. 
But with one spirit, he stood firm in the decision that he was going to the cross. And as Paul writes back, he's writing to these believers saying, hey, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to stand firm and unified. It's hard to stand firm, to stand during trials, but we identify with Christ when we stand firm and we stand unified. Standing firm in what we believe and why we believe it. Standing unified in one spirit with one mind we're going to see in just a moment. But that's uh, one focus, understanding what the goal is. And it's that heavenly focus that we looked at this morning. Standing firm and standing unified. Paul writes to the church at Philippi, let your conversation, let your life be something that is worthy of the gospel. How do I do that, Paul? Well, stand firm. Stand firm in one spirit. But then he says, also you do it by striving together with one mind. Strive together with one mind. Notice, if you will, in the verse, he just says that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Striving together for the faith of the gospel. As Paul writes to the believers there in Philippi, he challenges them with this idea of fervently laboring together for the faith of the gospel, for the faith of Jesus Christ. And throughout his letter, uh, Paul's going to use an interesting phrase to emphasize the importance of unity. In the, in the Greek language, there's a, a prefix, S-U-N, son or soon, that when it's added to a particular word or a few particular words, it's going to increase the depth of it. So the word that we find, and I'll give you a Greek lesson, the word that we find is athleo. Athleo is striving together for the faith of the gospel. That's one of the words that's in there. The word athleo, it just means to come together as a team. That's the word athleo. But when you put the word soon in front of it, soon athleo, Paul is saying, hey, listen, it's more than just, you know, being like, oh, yeah, I identify with them. He's saying, no, it is you become one. You literally become one. If you ever played sports, you know what it's like, maybe. You may know what it's like to be a part of a team. And if you played team sports, there were different types of teams, I've been a part of a number of different teams, but I can tell you there was times when I was on a team and we just identified as the same team. We didn't play together. We never really got, you know, you never really click. You didn't, uh, didn't really get on the same page together. You, were, you just had the same name on that jersey. But there's other teams that I've played on that you understood how, the, how your teammates thought. You understood if it was basketball, I understood how that guard or that point guard or that uh, ball guard was going to be, that shooting guard was going to bring the ball down. And I understood maybe as a forward where to be because we'd played so much together. If it's football, then that receiver knew what route to run uh, when the quarterback told him. I and mean, whatever the sport was, there's a difference between just wearing the team jersey and actually knowing the playbook knowing the, uh, the way the coach wants us to do it, having the mindset of the other teammates, that's the difference between athleo and soon athleo. Athleo says, I'm just a part of the team. Soon athleo says, I have the same mind as every individual on this team. We have one purpose. We have one drive. We have one goal. If you pay attention to sports on TV, you can see that in teams. You can see the teams that all come together and, and there's one or two guys that stand out. 
And maybe they carry the team to the championship, but when it's everybody celebrating, uh, you can see the three or four guys or five guys that are just kind of going, yeah, I'm on the winning team, but I really didn't have a part of this. And there's a difference between that and the team that plays what we would call team ball. Paul uses this. He uses the word athleo. We would get our word athlete from it. He uses the word in soon athleo to say, hey, listen, don't lose sight of, of what you're involved in. Remember that persecution, all of those things are going on. And so Paul is saying, hey, don't just identify with the team. No, be a part of it. Strive together. Fervently labor. It's something to be said about uh, or, or something to be applied to a church. We all know the difference. There's a difference between being at church and being a part of church, right? Being at church is just kind of like, yeah, I'm here. How can I keep from singing his... I'm at church, but I'm not part of it. I'm not involved in the worship. I'm not engaged in the, in the preaching or the teaching. I'm not involved in the, in the giving or the missions. I, I just kind of am there. Paul says, hey, listen, that's not going to identify you with Christ. So don't just show up and put the jersey on. Show up, put the jersey on, and be ready to play. Strive together. Hey, realize that you as a believer or with one spirit and one mind are to be joined up with other believers around you to say, listen, there is a goal in this. And what's the goal? It's number one, to glorify God. Number two, to reach people with God. Number three, to grow people in God. I mean, that's really, that's at the base of our church. That's why we started Moses Lake Baptist Church nine and a half years ago is to reach people with Christ, to glorify the Lord, and to grow people in God. And this is what Paul is talking about in Philippians 1.27. Let your conversation, let your life be lived in such a way that it's uh, worthy of the gospel. How do I do that? Stand fast in one mind. Hey, be firm. Be firm in one spirit. Be firm and identify with Christ. But how else do I do it? You strive together with one mind. Man, stand fast in one spirit, strive together with one mind. Strive together with one mind. You think about all of the times that Paul writes about the church's effectiveness when they strive together. The believer's effectiveness when they strive together. Did you know Paul wrote this to the church at Corinth? He said that ye are laborers together with God. For ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. Hey, you don't, you're not part of laboring in this on your own. It's not your church or the pastor's church or uh, Fountain Senior's church or Robert's church or Mike's church. No, it's God's church and we're laborers together with him. That's what Paul wrote. Man, there's so much to be said about striving together, laboring together. Second Corinthians 6.1, he said, we are workers together. We're not going to go through all of the verses, but tons of places where we are encouraged as believers, hey, don't just attend, be a part. Strive together for the faith of the gospel. In striving together with one mind, Paul is writing about this to say it's a great way to reflect Christ. Did you know it was the mind of Christ to serve other people? Oh, you know the verse of Matthew 28, 20, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but uh, to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Man, when Jesus came to the earth, he lived the life of a servant. 
Later, we'll read in Philippians chapter two, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery, or who being equal with God, thought it not robbery to be equal with man and made himself of no reputation and put upon himself the form of a servant. So this striving together is simply saying, hey, don't just identify, man, put on the grubbies and get to work. Put on the, put on, put on the work clothes and strive together for the faith of the gospel, fervently, passionately serving the Lord together, fervently laboring together to glorify him, to reach people with him. I mean, really, uh, it's not difficult to expand this thought with our church, but uh, every person in the church has a part, just like every person on a team has a part. Uh, On a team, every guy needs to fulfill their role. It's not a whole team. The football team isn't a whole team of quarterbacks. You also have to have the offensive line. You've got to have the wide receiver. You've got to have the running back. You've got to have uh, the tight end. You've got to have different positions there. In basketball, not everybody's a shooting guard making the three-pointers. No, you're going to have some forwards and power forwards and a center, and uh, you're going to even have some people who come off the bench. Every person on the team has a part to play. As you know, that's exactly what God inspired Paul to write in 1 Corinthians 12. He likened it, he likened the church unto a body. And he said, every church has body parts. You're the body of Christ. And there's not going to be a whole body of heads. Some people are the hands. Some are the feet. Some are the knees. He says, you know what? When you're a part of the body, every body part, every body part has purpose. In the church, every team member has purpose. Every body part, every part has purpose. And it's all for the glorifying of him and the gospel moving forward. And so Paul writes, hey, strive together with one mind for the faith of the gospel. Play your part. Know what God has given to you. And if you're an usher, learn to to be an usher that just lives for the Lord and follows him. And if you're a greeter, man, greet for Christ and be a teacher for Christ. And whatever, whatever position God has you in, understand that this is a great role that I get to play within the local church. Unfortunately, we see a lot of times in life when... Just like a team, a team can get a showboat. A team can get one person that causes the whole team to kind of go off course because they want the attention for themselves. And unfortunately, we can see that happen in churches sometime, can't we? And I hate to say it, but I've been around long enough growing up in church that you can see people who just, they want to be a part of the church just because they want the attention, and they're, they're the one to, to say, hey, why can't I ever get up in front of people? Why can't I ever? Why can't I ever? Why don't you ask me to teach? Why don't you, why, Brian, why can't I sing? Why don't you, why is it, you know, and they have that mindset of when can I be seen? It's not, hey, can I be involved? It's, hey, I want to be seen. We can see that on a team, can't you? The, the guy who showboats, the guy who always has to uh, show everybody else how good of a, uh, uh, skills he had. Paul wrote about that in, in, or excuse me, John wrote about that in 3 John verse number 9. Listen what he wrote about one man in a church that he was writing about. I wrote into the church, but 
Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. It even happened in those early days that there were believers who said, I don't want to strive together with one mind. I want to strive together for my mind. I want to st- There's a difference between striving together and causing strife together. And that's what Diotrephes was doing. And here's Paul. He's writing. He's saying, hey, listen, you want to identify with Christ and reflect him? Stand firm in one spirit, but strive together with one mind for the faith of the gospel. The third way that we see Paul writing that you and I can reflect Christ or identify with him is that when we suffer boldly for one purpose. Suffer boldly for one purpose. Notice what Paul writes in verse number 28. Paul says, And in nothing, terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. Verse 29, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which ye saw in me, and now here to be in me. In these verses, Paul is writing to them about suffering boldly with one purpose or one focus. He writes to them about suffering. I'm thinking that this is probably a subject that Paul wasn't always excited to write about. Because how exciting is it to say, oh man, listen, God has great plans for you. God wants to use you and work in your life and he's gonna give you peace and joy and God's gonna bring so much into your life, including suffering, that you might even die for his name. Oh, by the way, you're gonna be persecuted. Oh, and there might be times when people betray you. Oh, and you could possibly get stoned. I mean, think about all of the stuff that Peter had to write, or Paul had to write when he wrote about suffering. I keep saying Peter because we just did that series in Peter. So if I say Peter, we're talking about Paul right now. <coughs> but Paul knew. He knew that he knew what it was to live suffering, but he also wanted these believers to know, hey, there's gonna come a time in your life when you have to suffer. And here he's writing about suffering for the name of Christ. But notice what he says in verse 28. When he says, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries. You know what he's saying to them? He's saying, hey, suffering's coming. But don't let what they do frighten you. Instead, let it give you boldness. Let it give you courage. Because to them, your suffering, it's an... Evident token of ruin, perdition, waste. Right? People on the outside, when you go through life as a Christian, they look and they say, man, you are wasting your life. You are wasting, you are ruining your life on, on, on a relationship with God. You're ruining your life for that book. Listen, me and my friends, we had this this weekend and you spent time in church and there, there's gonna be, it's just, it's just ruinous to people to live a life for God. I can't tell you how many people and uh, times over the years that maybe somebody has said to me, you know, Dennis, you could do so much different. You could do so many other things. You do realize that you're just kind of wasting your life. We have, uh, of course, I'll talk about it, my Hannah's family. There's when her dad first surrendered for ministry years ago, and, and he's a pastor in Republic Washington. 
But when he surrendered into ministry, a lot of his family said, Greg, what are you doing? You're a, he was a lineman making good money for uh, California Power. I mean, he was moving up in the chain, and he had his whole future ahead of him. And he gave it all up to go to Bible college and become a pastor. And they said, what are you doing you are wasting potential. You're gonna, your kids are gonna be, uh, your kids are gonna be crazy because you're homeschooling them. What are you doing, doing that? Why are you moving to Republic Washington of all places? I mean, we don't even know where Republic is. And and the, the family said, hey, that's it's just gonna be a ruinous life. But to a believer, to a believer, our sign of suffering it it, it just encourages us in our salvation. And it encourages us in God, that God's in control. Notice what Paul says. To them, it's an evident token of perdition, but to you, of salvation and that of God. Hey, you're saying, I, I know this is what God has for me, and I may suffer persecution. I may suffer a little bit of, uh, of animosity from those without, but I'm not going to let it terrify me. No, it's going to give me boldness. It's going to give me courage. But then in verse 29 and 30, he, as we were reminded even this morning, Paul wrote something similar to what we read in Matthew chapter 5. Make sure you're suffering for his sake. You see, because there's a lot of Christians that suffer for their own sake and cry out, oh, poor me. There's a difference between suffering for God's sake and suffering for your sake. And so for you and I, if we're going to reflect Christ, we need to suffer boldly with one purpose. Suffer boldly for one purpose, and that purpose is his name, his honor, and his glory. Listen, one of the best things for me to do during times of trial, I mean, Paul knew they were going through trial. And he writes to them, stand firm, strive together, and suffer with boldness. One of the best things for us to do during times of trial, and perhaps even times of persecution, is to keep our focus diligently set on the Lord. Remembering that he suffered for us, Paul knew this, and so he told these Philippians, hey, don't be intimidated, don't be frightened by anything that is against you. Remember that Christ suffered, and he is the reason that you suffer. Jesus said it this way in John 15, 18, and 19. He said, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would uh, love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore, because of this, because you belonging to me, the world hateth you. I've said this often at our church, but it's of no coincidence that everybody wants to tolerate everything except for Bible-believing Christianity. It is no coincidence that you can go to uh, any public square or public platform of a school or a, an office and you could get up and you could, you, you could uh, worship or pray in the name of any God. But when you pray in the name of Jesus Christ, people aren't going to like that. And when someone stands up as a Bible-believing Christian and says, no, I believe that this is what the Word of God says, that abortion is wrong. I believe the Word of God says that uh, marriage outside of a man and woman is wrong. And, and when you take those stands, people are not going to go, oh, please give us more. 
Oh, please tell us more of what your Bible says. No, it's of no coincidence that the world hates the truth of God. So then why is it surprising when we face a little backlash at work? Why is it surprising when the boss says, you want Sundays off? No, if you're gonna ask for Sundays off, you can go find yourself a new job. Why is it surprising when uh, someone at school says, "Uh, you can't bring that Bible here? By the way, you can. Oh, you can't talk about here. You can. (laughs) You see, the the truth is, if the world hated Jesus, certainly the world's gonna hate us. And so what is Paul writing? He's saying, it's gonna happen. So suffer boldly through it. Don't let them intimidate you. Don't let them frighten you. Don't let them disturb your position and your firm stance because then you reflect Christ. But can I say today as we wrap this up, I can never, I can never stand firm in one spirit. I can never strive together with one mind. I could never uh, suffer boldly with one purpose unless I have Christ in me. Unless you have Jesus Christ in your life transforming you from the inside out, the outward actions are never going to match a reflection with Jesus Christ because he wants to change the inside first. And so I'd ask you tonight if you know for sure that you're going to heaven. Do you know for sure that you've asked Jesus Christ to be in your life? The truth is every single one of us are gonna spend eternity somewhere, but that's why Jesus came. He came to give his life, to die on a cross so that you could have forgiveness of your sin and restoration with God. And church can't save you. Baptism can't save you. Religion can't save you. Being a good person can't save you. Identifying with Christ on the outside, that can't save you. The only thing that provides forgiveness and a relationship with God in your life and mine is if I've asked Jesus Christ to forgive my sin and come into my life. That's when he begins to work in me to give me that mind the one mind to stand firm. That's when he gives me his spirit so that I can strive together with others. And that's when he gives me the ability to to suffer boldly. Even when things are crazy around me, I can suffer boldly for one purpose. Why? I belong to him. You know, years ago, and of course centuries ago, whenever a craftsman, would build something. They would always put their stamp on it. If it was wood, they'd do a certain marking. If it was iron, they'd do a certain marking. We still see it today. Hannah's an artist, and you know what she does on every one of her paintings? She signs it. If I paint something, she's not gonna sign it. <laughs> she's gonna throw it away. If she paints something, I don't get to sign it. I've tried. But you know what? If you're, if you're a craftsman, Your craft is going to be identified, and it's going to be claimed by you. Can I tell you that you are Jesus Christ's craftsmanship? You belong to him. He he died for you, and he bought you with his precious blood. And he desires that your outward life would identify with him. Oh, not that I would go through and fulfill checkboxes and religion. No, 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 no. He's saying, let me do a heart work in you so that your actions can identify with me because it is then, 
It is then and only then that our conversation is becoming of the gospel. And Paul, do you know why he wrote this to him? Philippians 1.27, he said, because I want it that whether I come and see you or if I can't, that I hear the effectiveness of your testimony among people. I gather a thought from that. Every one of us, we have an effectiveness with our testimony. How we live this life affects the lives of others around us. And as you let God work in you and change you from the inside out, God uses the outward change that he makes to help other people see him. And that's what Paul was writing about. Hey, you're gonna be going through a lot of suffering. Things are gonna be happening. Church at Philippi, listen, mark it down. You are going to struggle. But whether or not you struggle or you don't struggle, let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come or be absent from you, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit. Strive together with one mind for the faith of the gospel and be not terrified. Don't be terrified by your adversaries. Instead, just suffer with that boldness that says, you know what? Jesus suffered. I can move forward. I can suffer with boldness. Tonight, as we look at this, I have one final thought to give you, and that's this, that next level Christianity, it lives every day with a desire to reflect Christ to those around us. Right, we started a few weeks ago, God has more growth for us. Next level Christianity, the lesson we need to learn tonight is it next, the next level Christian says, I wanna use my life this week to reflect Jesus. I'm gonna do that. How? I'm gonna stand fast. I'm gonna be firm with one spirit. I'm gonna strive together with one mind. I'm gonna suffer boldly with one purpose. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed tonight and as we come to the end of the service, we're going to come into what's called an invitation time. We invite you to respond to God. And if God's spoken into your life, I encourage you to, to respond to him tonight. But maybe, maybe you're here tonight. And before we have the invitation, I just want to ask two simple questions. The first one is this. Do you know for sure if you died today that you'd go to heaven? If you'd be honest, you'd say, Pastor Dennis, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I've trusted Christ as my Savior. I know I'm going to heaven. If that's you tonight, Pastor, I know that. Would you slip your hand up as a testimony to the Lord? Pastor, I know that. Just right up and right back down. Praise the Lord. If that's you tonight, you raise your hand. You know for sure you're going to heaven. Thank you. You can put them down. If you know for sure you're going to heaven, praise the Lord. Can I encourage you tonight to have a heart to say, God, this week, help me to live a life that reflects you. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.